podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I both love training. When the two of us get together, it's a non-stop conversation. And that's what we want to share in these podcasts. So, Dominique, we've been talking about the goats and my little foray into having goats at the barn. And one of the things that I found really interesting about them was the whole process of introducing them to the use of a lead rope. And I thought they were wonderful clarifiers of the style of rope handling that I use. And sort of in a nutshell, I've always referred to it as shaping on a point of contact. In the conventional training that I was originally exposed to, if you asked a horse to do something, if you asked him, for example, to back up, and he didn't respond promptly, you would increase the pressure in some way. Or if you asked a horse to go forward and you used the lead to invite him forward and he didn't go forward, you would increase the pressure. You'd add more pressure to the line or you'd add a tap of a whip. You'd add pressure in some way. Right. And in shaping on a point of contact, you don't add pressure. You don't escalate. You go to the point where the horse is connected with you, is aware of you, But if he doesn't respond, you wait for him to move his own body. You don't move his body for him. You're not dragging the horse. You're not, you're not moving his head. You're not pushing, shoving. And this goes back to something that I experienced years ago. Well, it goes back, it has many sources. One source is an experience I had with Linda Tellington-Jones, the founder of the team training. She was working with a little Shetland stallion, and he was being used in birthday parties. So he was basically a good guy. He was a well-mannered little horse until you tried to give him a shot, and then he would turn into this 18-hand fire-breathing dragon in his (laughs) behavior. And Linda made the comment that a lot of ponies are like this because they're so small they can be pushed around and people don't actually teach them what is wanted. And that really struck a chord with me and made sense to me that we don't want to be pushing and shoving our animals around. We want to teach them what we want. And then there was John Lyons who said the lead or the rein should only be used to give positive information. You never want to use the rein as a correction tool. So you don't want to be jerking on the rein or jerking on a lead. You want the horse to really trust your hand. And the third influence was so many of the horses that are being ridden into collection, you drive with your seat into a fixed hand and a tense, anxious horse becomes compressed in his spine, and that compression over time is crippling. So you put all those things together, and what emerges is the shaping on a point of contact where you wait for the animal to move his own body. Very long-winded description. But I know when I first started sharing my work with you that one of the things that 
puzzled you and confused you or put you off, we'll say, was the use of the lead rope. Well, there were, I think the first time, there were two things. I think the first time that I saw you handling a horse, I was amazed at how soft, light it was. I had never seen this in the horse world before, not to that extent. I had seen the lead being, because it's used in a punishing way a lot, by just people taking a horse to the paddock. Leads are used all the time to, you know, they're wiggled and they're wiggled in the horse's face and the end of the lead rope is used as um, kind of a whip on the flanks so that the horses will move forward or... So I, I had, you know, I had seen this over the years in all kinds of barns and now, and I had also seen professional trainers using the lead in a respectful manner. But to the extent that I saw you using it, I mean, not only was it not a, punis- a punitive uh, tool anymore, but it, it had become a communications tool for sure. But more than that, I think that, you know, when we say in a chain that a cue can become a reinforcer. I think in your case, the way you're using the rope, it's a cue for something good to happen. And it was so light. It was just your little finger uh, giving information to the horse. And I had never seen that. So looking at you uh, doing it, I thought it was so amazing and beautiful. But then when we started to... um, And I I want to interrupt there for a second because there are many people listening to this who will say, but I'm very light with a lead rope. All I have to do is wiggle my little finger too. But the difference is, how was that taught? Right. Oh, yeah. So if I wiggle my, my finger and the horse backs up, is he backing up because he knows that if he doesn't back up, Mm. I'm going to escalate. So there's a threat behind that. Right. It can be incredibly light and you can look yes incredibly soft if the horse knows that there's a threat backing up to that request. Or is the history of the behavior, has it been taught in these really tiny increments where all the lead is, it's offering clues that helps right. the horse get to his reinforcement faster. Yeah, you're right. I think, I mean, I'm talking about lightness in the beginning. Yes. Not lightness in the end. Lightness right away the first time you tr- you start to teach. And I, I agree with you. It's a big, big difference. Because, yes, you can get lightness in the end. But how it's been thought uh, was not light in the beginning. Good trainers, whether they're using clicker training or not, they know how to separate into small steps so that you you don't have to escalate if you're dividing the, the task in smaller steps. But I have to say that for me, it was an eye opener because I had never seen someone use the lead rope and use even the snap the way you use it. I wasn't even aware that you could use the snap, and I'm sure you'll talk about that later, but that you could use the snap in this way, just like a a joystick. 
And I think that's part of what clicker tra- good clicker trainers do. I mean, they do know how to split. And you have splitted this to a point that, and it's probably what, in a way, when I started learning it, I thought was a challenge because there were so many details. And so in the beginning, I thought, oh my God, I mean, is this really necessary? Do we need to have so many details? And over the years, using your rope handling uh, techniques, I've realized that, yes, not only do you need the details, it's because of the details that it is so light and so so beautiful to watch and that the horse are so serene in it because it is all this, this very subtle communication with the horse. And so, yeah, the details, you have to go through this finesse if you want, in the end, to have a rope handling that looks like Alex when she's handling her horses. Thank you. I mean, that's, oh, wow. It's like, what a, that's, but it is, it's such a, it, the details take you to the dance. The details take you to the joy. And the details the details are why the horse allows you in all vertebrates will protect their spine of course they're going to protect their spine if somebody comes up behind you and and puts their hand around your neck or on your neck you have to really trust that person to not tense up we will all protect our spines and when you use a lead in a way that it is at times a correction tool there will always be a part of the horse that he doesn't let you in, that he's, where he's protecting himself. And to really feel what it's like when a horse deeply trusts and allows you in, that is heaven. That is absolute heaven. And it builds a relationship that is, you can't even begin to describe how magical isn't really the word but to be trusted by a horse is a phenomenal thing and i think for anyone who has concern in terms of security this is also a way to make sure that all handling will be secure for both yes because if if you stay aware of the details, you will not get to a place where you're in trouble because you ignored so many signs before. That's right. So details are important for so many reasons. And the horse will start to look out for you, not because you've made him afraid of you, but because he cares for you. Yeah. Yeah. So the goats were, they were good teachers for this because particularly the smaller of the two, he was he probably weighed all of 30 pounds. He was a very soft goat, very gentle, and also fairly timid. So first of all, I did a lot of prep. So I didn't just put a lead on and say, okay, let's go for a walk, because that would have created a lot of resistance. I did a lot of prep in terms of getting them so that they would follow me, that they would follow targets, that they understood how to go from a platform to another platform. So we had tools in place that would allow the lead rope to be successful. And what was so really clear with him, there would be times where I would start to walk and he wouldn't follow right away, that he would be looking at uh, 
something in the environment. Maybe we were out in the arena and he was looking deeper into the arena, down towards the far end. It would have been so easy to just add a little pressure and pull him because he weighed all of 30 pounds. Right. So I could have easily dragged this little goat and made him follow me. We do that a lot with dogs. I see that. Especially, oh, the small dog? Oh, yes. They, yes. They are, I mean, they pull, they're dragged, they're picked up. They're not taught. Exactly, exactly. So he, in a, in a sense, he's a perfect metaphor, perfect example of what we often do with our animals because we can. Because he's little, I could have made him follow me. Because he's little, I could have pushed his hips over or pulled his shoulders towards me or whatever I needed. I could have made him do what I wanted. I could have even picked him up if I needed to. He was small enough that I could easily have picked him up. But instead, I waited on the point of contact and I waited for him to move his own body. And then he was clicked and reinforced for that. And it was so clear handling him how important it is to wait. And it was so clear handling him how easy it is to forget to wait and just drag because I could. I've had the same experience with Panda. When I started training Panda, the mini I trained as a guide, she was also really tiny when she came to me. She was nine months old. She weighed 125 pounds, tiny little thing. And I wasn't afraid of her. She's little. When she first came, she used to rear up on her hind legs like a goat. It was really funny and was quite cute. If she hadn't been destined to be a guide horse, I I think I probably would have encouraged it because it was so cute. Because when you're that size and a horse rears up on its hind legs, you laugh. But if she'd been a a thoroughbred yearling or quarter horse yearling uh, and she'd reared up and I'd seen the same behavior, I wouldn't have found it amusing. And I I would have been a little scary. And so one of the things that that Panda showed me is how much of our training of horses is centered around, based on, has a history of fear behind it. And that we really do need at times to train animals that are small enough, kind enough, gentle enough that truly we do not feel afraid of them. And there are two kinds of fear. So with the big horses, people might say, well, I'm not afraid of horses. But we're often also afraid for our horses. So when I had Panda in my house on the very first day that she was there, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, there's a horse in my house. I wasn't afraid for her. If she had slipped, which she didn't, but if she had slipped on my dining room floor and fallen underneath a table, which she didn't, I could have gotten her out. A big horse, if it slips or falls or gets cast under a fence or in its stall, it's really hard to help them. So we we are afraid for our horses because they are big and they can easily get hurt in the environments in which we have them. And we're afraid of our horses because they are big. And so, so many of our training methods are built around fear. Right. 
And going to a point of contact and waiting, there's an element of, I really have to trust the process in that. I have to trust the process that this will work and that I don't have to intimidate to get the result that I need. So what are we waiting for? Because here you could wait for something big or something small. You wait for something small. So very small. And what you're waiting for may depend upon the individual and the situation. So you might find that what you're waiting for is just the individual taking a breath, which they're going to do. Even a tense horse is going to exhale at some point. And you might start with that as your give and click and reinforce that. So right away, you're clicking for, can you just relax a little bit? Can you exhale? Oh, I'll click and reinforce exhale. Right. No, that's small. And it's important because it's that learning. Do I know what a relaxed horse looks like? Do I want, do I appreciate, do I want relaxation? Or am I using a technique that relies on flooding where the horse simply gives up? Am I building that sense of ease from the beginning? Or do I make, do I escalate so my horse now feels unsafe and then work down from that? It's which end of the stick do you want to grab hold of? And, and it's when you when you go for something small like that and the horse is, is clicked, he feels competent. Yes. He, he's not feeling like he's lost and he has no idea what the answer is. No, you're already telling him that he's doing a good job exhaling. Yes, yes. But then there's the whole question, you know, okay, we could talk about the, the technique of the rope handling. But then there's also the whole question that, many people come to of why do we put lead ropes on our horses at all? Why do we put lead ropes on our our goats, our dogs? Why don't we just work at liberty? Because certainly, I think one of the great attractions of clicker training is that you can do so much shaping at liberty with your animal learner completely loose. That's one of its great appeals. So there are a great many people And I think many who have seen forms of training, whether it's in the dog world or in the horse world, where there is a lot of escalation of pressure and it's made them very uncomfortable. And so what they see, what they want as the gold standard is, we're just not going to have any pressure at all, meaning we're not going to use lead ropes. We're not going to put leads on. And so what their question well, that would was be certainly my my um in in the beginning for me it was like that i i didn't want to work with the with the lead and i wanted to explore the relationship without pressure with my horse and so for a long time i didn't do the rope handling with right him. right and it was until i felt that because and then i the more I was looking at you, the more I started being attracted again to it and wanting to include it in my handling. It was good because I knew my horse better by then. Yes, yes. And so adding this uh, to the relationship at that point with that horse, I mean, the, the, the following horses, I included it right away. So, I mean, there are many paths, I guess, that can bring you to this work. And I can understand that 
some people might not want to use a pressure in their work for some time anyway. But if you want to take your horse outside, you have no choice. You're going to have to lead him with a rope and lead at some point. And so you might as well do it in a soft way. Yes. Um, and in order to do that, even if it's just to take him to the paddock, you're going to have to invest a lot of time in learning this. Yes. And the same thing is true with dogs. In my community, there are leash laws. So if you want to walk your yeah. dog well, when uh, you around... Go to the vet, yes. if, you know, most of the time you're, you're walking with your dog at liberty, there are always situations where you will need the lead. Yes. And so the, the point is that given that, part of a complete education is to teach an animal how to respond to a lead so that it is a communication tool and not an enforcement tool. And there's a big difference. And that's really what we're talking about here, that we're turning the lead into a communication tool. And that's all that it is. It is not an enforcement tool. It is a communication tool. And there's a teaching process that you have to go through to create that. As with any cue. As with any cue. Exactly. And there's a, a learning process for the animal and there's a huge learning process for the handler because it's really easy to take. It's really easy to, to grab and add pressure. It's hard to go to that point of contact and wait. That takes focus and, and learning. And it takes, for many of us who've been in the horse world, it takes a changing, a breaking of old habit patterns because we, we may have learned quite the opposite. And with the horse's Absolutely, if you're in an environment that allows it, you can do an enormous amount of training without ever putting a halter and a lead on a horse and a lot of really fun training. But I think, as in all things, to really have a complete training program for our horses, that it includes the use of halters and leads, it includes an understanding of pressure and release of pressure, even the, just putting your hand on a horse. If I want to ask a horse to pick up his foot or to back up or to move his hip over or to move his head in some way, do I put my hand on his body and then push? Or do I put my hand on his body and wait for him to move his body part? That's the difference. And at some point, and we're hearing more and more of this now in, in the clicker training world, you could even ask him permission. Yes. Well, that's you really know. what we're doing. Yep. We're, we are well, asking permission. Well, you give me a green light to handle you with this lead. Yes. Yep. Are you okay with this? Yes. And so choice is a, it's a huge topic, and it's a, a really fun topic to discuss and I think rather than open that whole topic of that's a really fun one to explore, we'll say let's save that for another day and end our conversation at this point and then pick up at another time when we can talk about choice. This may be where we ended this podcast, but our conversation kept going. I kept the record button on, so our next podcast will be part two of this discussion that's centered around choice and rope handling. But for now, we want to thank you for the very great welcome you have given to our new podcast. 
Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to write and to share comments. You know how to reinforce. Dominique and I send our appreciation. We also want to remind you about our upcoming webinar, which will take place on Saturday, May 5th, 2018 at 1.30 Eastern Time. The webinar is a great opportunity to jump into the discussion with your own questions. In fact, one of our listeners has just given us a great question to begin with. She asked us how to use clicker training to prevent her horse from dragging her to the grass. That's a really common problem, especially with spring just around the corner. I suspect there are many people who would love some help with that. And it certainly ties in beautifully to the discussions we've been having about the foundation lessons and rope handling. In the webinar, we'll be addressing this topic. We'll give you tips and exercises that will help you and your horse, no matter how green the grass is on the other side of the road. That's not all we will be covering. The webinar is for your questions, whether it's a practical how-to training question or a more philosophical why clicker train type of question. This is your time. You can be like the proverbial fly on the wall and just listen in or you can jump right into the discussion. I hope you'll join us. To learn more about the webinar, visit equiosity.com. And remember, the webinar is Saturday, May 5th at 1.30 Eastern Time. To register, go to our website, equiosity.com. I hope you'll join us. And until next time, goodbye.